thank you um, for joining us. So uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on which time zone you're joining from. Um, I'm joined here today by my colleague, um, Jake Pollock, who uh, is Global Head of Credit Financing um, at JP Morgan. And um, as a result, is best positioned um, within the firm to talk about uh, the world of private credit. Um, and so I really wanted to sort of uh, kick off um, by asking Jake, I know that you're back from a trip to um, Australia and um, Asia last week, which, you know, away from the jet lag, um, you know, if you could share, you know, what you think that what, what, what the main takeaways for you were from those investor conversations and you know, what were the things that surprised you most in terms of sort of the, the nature of investor dialogue there? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Steve, for having me and uh, look forward to the discussion. Um, so I spent uh, a few days in Sydney uh, and a few days in, in Tokyo. First, in, in Sydney, Jake Morgan has a great presence in Sydney. Um, you know, the, the um, private credit industry in Sydney is, I think, still, you know, I would characterize it in the early days, earlier than in the U.S., uh, but grown. Uh, and I think um, we've got a number of opportunities there. Uh, the, the Sydney market, I mean, the Australia market, just as a, as a backdrop, uh, is, is a very attractive one. Um, there's, you know, it's a, it's a country with uh, you know, 27 million people, but uh, uh, um, you know, $4 trillion of, uh, of, of financial assets at uh, just the superannuation funds alone. Uh, and that's, that's gonna grow materially in the coming years. Uh, so. Uh, on a per capita basis, a very attractive uh, market dynamic. Um, the, the, the conversations there, I, I think deal flow globally has been slower than, than in the past few years. And I think, you know, no, no different there. Um, but, but a, a, you know, I think if, you, if you're looking at one, three, five, and certainly 10 years, there's a lot of reasons to be very bullish about uh, the Australian market. Um, and we were in, in Tokyo, um, we, we hosted a very successful CMO conference. Um, and we, so we, we had a 130 managers from the US, uh, sorry, 130 uh, investors, uh, uh, Asian-based investors and 23 managers from the US uh, come. Uh, very, very good feedback. The, the private credit CLO uh, issuance this year yeah. uh, is up uh, about 100% year over year. Uh, and so, and, and, and by the way, the broadly syndicated CLO market is, is actually down about 30% year over year. Uh, so you know, one year does not a trend make, but we do think that is uh, somewhat- Growing um, uh, share. Yeah, the, the, when we think about the direction of, of, of the way the market's gonna go, uh, we expect to do a lot more in the private credit CLO space going forward. Okay, and um, so away from your trip, one of the things that um, Newswire's um, been picking up on is sort of the, the level of, regulatory focus and sort of loathe to use the word scrutiny but certainly the a regulatory focus on the world of um private credit and, and and based on some of my own interactions with um uh regulators and supervisors earlier this year um the tone of the, the sort of the, the tone of some of these articles the tone of some of this reporting seems to be that um regulators are, are still very focused on perhaps over-focused in my view um, on, on the idea of, of, of the need for um, liquidity uh, and, and, and trading and pricing. Um, and the other thing which has been less clear to me is that the very well asset liability matched nature of the asset classes is less well understood. Do, do, do you sort of a, a, agree with that? 
and you think that regulators, you know, there still seems to be, there's a need for a more active dialogue in terms of helping them understand the way in which the private credit asset class works and is constructed. Well, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the, the growth of private credit, it's no secret, has, has certainly spawned from it being, you know, a, a large non-bank um, uh, investor base uh, outside of some of the, well, certainly outside of the bank regulatory system in a lot of ways. So, you know, in some respects, it's not surprising when you have a, a one and a half trillion now asset class, um, which, you know, you know, there's probably, uh, we have a running joke. I mean, the number of Bloomberg articles on a daily basis referencing private credit is, is uh, sometimes measured in the double digits. So it, it's obviously a topic that's out there and it's not surprising that it gets, it gets scrutiny. Um, you, know, you mentioned the, the um, liquidity of the underlying, you know, it, it's so one of the funny things about that, say one of the facts about that, it's, I should say, is that the, the liquidity of the underlying is, is kind of a, a feature, not a bug, right, of the market. Yes. Um, and, and so the, the capital has been raised. When you think about how uh, a private credit fund manager typically raises capital, uh, at, at, the, at, the, at the top of every pitch is typically that it's a very high sharp ratio product. In that, in that there's no volatility, very little volatility uh, in the underlying, and, and the returns have been very, very good. Um, so there's very much a, a, um, a um, you know, uh, one, one, of the, one of the key selling points, I think, for a long time has been that lack of uh, uh, volatility in the underlying, which, as, as I think you point out, is, is, is because the underlying really isn't traded. Um, so look, the, the, we think over time, you know, the, the markets will converge, right? We, we've done some trading of private credit at JP Morgan. Um, it will continue to grow. Um, there, there are also constraints on that, um, you know, given a lot of the, a lot of the um, interest, you know, our long-term locked up capital and, and, you know, have maybe less of a desire to see a trade. So that, that is one of the themes that will continue to be topical for, for years to come. Um, and, you know, I think JP Morgan's at the forefront of it, given we provide financing to the market and uh, we've begun direct lending ourselves. Uh, and we've, we've, we've lent, uh, you, know, you know, quite a bit and expect to lend quite a bit more going forward. So, um, you know, certainly, certainly an interesting area to continue to explore. Okay. I am, so the next topic I wanted to sort of um, get some thoughts on you from um, defaults. So very topical. Um, you know, we as analysts are beginning to think about our 2024 outlook um, and how defaults may evolve. I think there's a sort of real bid offer as to what um, constitutes or represents a default in um, the private credit space, certainly relative to things like we know in the broadly syndicated um, loan market. But um, you know, to what extent do you think there is a um, you know there's this idea that the private space is much better covenanted and it could in fact be the case that you see more defaults in the private market, yet the fact that it's better covenanted means that there's less um, value, um, value drain from the structure. So you end up with a sort of high defaults, but potentially very high recoveries. What do you, yeah. what do you think on that? Um, I know we sort of, we, you know, I could, I could sort of bang on about some of the, the, the data points we had from our recent high yield conference, but um, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, it's a, it's a very topical question. The, the irony is that the apples to apples nature of comparison, I think, as you point out in, 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 that, in that question, is 
while, while it's not at the top in a lot of the numbers that you see. So, and, and obviously, Jake, so, so, so your, your research and, and Nelson's research on the payment default rate, or I should call it the default rate in uh, the, the public markets, right, has, I, I think, to, to a large extent, become sort of market standard for how, how people think about default rates. Um, but the, the, the critical difference is that, I think, as you mentioned, the, the broadly syndicated market uh, is typically a covenant-like market. It's almost entirely a covenant-like market. Um, the private credit market is typically characterized as a covenant market. So uh, when the, the, the payment default rate, which we track in the financing that we provide into private credit, actually comes very close to the payment default rate in, in, the, in the broadly syndicated market. You know, it, it's tracking something like, you know, it's called 50 bips a quarter to 2% a year, a little bit fuzzy math given how default rates are, given how the LTM is calculated and the denominator, how, how that changes. But very low. If I look at the, the covenant default rate of the of the private credit market, there's you know we have our data. There's also a, 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 you know Lincoln Financial and Proskauer and some others put out some data suggesting it's on an annualized basis. You know in the in the you know mid single digits, um, and so so materially higher than the default rate of the BSL market. But again, that points to covenant defaults. And yes, you know the, that that is again that's a feature, not a bug, uh, of the market in that. The lenders want to be back at the table to either encourage the, the equity to put in more capital or to increase the rate on the on the loan uh, or a combination of both or, or other things. So, um, will recovery rates be higher in private credit? That's another very good question. Higher or lower? I, mean, I think yeah. I'm, I'm sort of quoting Nelson here, but I think the latest data for sort of loan on loan only issuers in the broadly syndicated loan market. I mean, I think that recovery rate has been as low recently as in the 30s, which yeah. is yeah. very, very low. Look, so, you know, first of all, I, I agree. And we think, generally speaking, that data, that, that's the market leading data, by the way, that, that if, you, if, you, if you separate out the broadly syndicated loan market into those that have public securities and even those that don't, yeah. the, 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 the um, loss experience is uh, better for investors for the, the, those that have public securities underneath. Um, but if you extrapolate, so, so I guess first let me answer the question on do we think the default rate in private credit is going to be higher than, than broadly syndicated? Tough to say, right? Uh, it, you know, there's some reasons why it will, be, will actually be better, right? I think some of that has to do with, um, generally speaking, private credit has avoided cyclical industries. So it's, it's largely been in, um, you know, the largest sectors are technology, uh, healthcare, business services, things that uh, tend to be GDP plus growers without as much volume. It tends not to have chemicals, tends not to have um, retail. Um, so so that, that's an argument for uh, a better experience. And then, you know, you can certainly point to some of the, some of the areas where there, there's some fraud, like, you know, ARR lending and, and um, you know, pick, pick interest on first lien loans, which, you know, oftentimes, you, you know, if you can't pay your interest and you pick it, maybe that's not the best, uh, maybe that's not the best starting point. Um, so, you know, th there are pros and cons. Do I think the default rate and the loss experience is going to be hundreds of basis points apart? No, I don't. Um, and, you know, it, it's, you know, we can get into this as well. If you, if you think about why the private credit pitch has been so attractive, in addition to the point about, you know, that sharp ratio comment, um, you know, it, the, 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 the all-in yields today are sort of in that 10 to 12% yep. range, right? And so, so even if we use that 30% number that you get, right? So, so let's, let's say, Loan only, loan only 
the loan on only cohort. Right. So, exactly. So if we assume that private credit, which is loan only, yeah. is a similar experience to the loan only portion of the BSL market, which is it's not an unfair assumption. It's so. So then you'd say, all right, well, what is the default rate going to be over this cycle? And I think there's a lot of different views. I think you know, you think ten percent is a conservative or aggressive or aggressive. I don't know. I mean, we came up with a number. I remember we, we did this exercise early this year where we considered a sort of a worst case scenario, sort of high inflation, low growth, high interest rates. And the sort of number we were coming up with was sort of seven and a half percent. Yeah. Over a, a two year period or? A, uh, yeah, one to two year period. Okay. So, so let, let's just use 10, which would be worse than that seven yeah. and a half, right? And let, let's assume that, that it truly is 30, 30 uh, cents of recovery, loss given default. Um, so, so 70 cents of loss given default. So over two years, right, you're talking about five of uh, five default a year. And then on that five, you lose 70 cents, right? So, you know, that, that would be an outcome that would, you know, that would suggest that there's sort of like a, you know, a three and change percent a year, right, of, of loss. But again, those Being are- paid towards 13%. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's kind of interesting that we sort of peel back the onion, these are nominal numbers, right? Like, you know, so, so the- the, there's obviously a high in that 10 to 12 percent. There's a high degree of base rate, right? There's like there's like five percent in change of of uh, risk free in there, so it's a nominal return, but uh, it's also a, it's also a nominal default rate, right? So if you're getting 10 to 12 percent and you're losing, you know, let's say you're losing four percent here, if you just sort of round up, um, you know, I think if you told people you have a really bad outcome, two and a half percent of default worse than what what that that scenario suggested. And um, you you netted six to eight percent for your investors. I, I think that pitch sells pretty well. Yeah. So I think that that's part of the reason why um, I think it's there, there continues to be a huge amount of asset uh, you know capital formation in private credit. Thank you. Um, you've alluded to the sort of increased fungibility between the two markets, and you touched on the um, some of the sectoral differences. I mean, it, it sort of. If I asked you to sort of gaze into your own crystal ball, um, you know, do you think that um, you know direct lending space is still going to be very you know technology, healthcare, business service heavy um, in in three to five years, or do you actually think the sectoral makeup of the direct lending space and the broadly syndicated loan market will look very similar? Yeah, good, good question. Um, look, I, I think. Probably overarching point here is that if I look at the S and P 500, uh, it's about you might know it's better than me, but it's about a quarter tech. Uh, and if I looked at it 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago, it was much less. Yeah. Uh, so some big companies. Yeah, well, that's very true. That's very true. But there's also becoming very large you know debt raises yeah. in tech as well, which which kind of follows suit. I mean, uh, you know, OpenAI didn't exist uh, five years ago. And it's raising capital today, or it's creating capital, uh, you know, at an eighty-six billion dollar valuation. So, I, I do believe that, and that's not in the S&P. So, I, I, it's not in private credit either uh, yet. But um, I, I do believe that um, tech will be a bigger percentage of the capital markets, whether it's high yield bonds, leverage loans, or or private credit. Um, and so, so that's that's sort of one one statement. The other thing is just the the trends, and this is more of a macro answer as well. But the trends toward you know the U.S. has become a, has trended from a manufacturing to a services economy over the last hundred years, and 
you know, while there's definitely an onshoring of manufacturing and all that stuff, and that, that's a real trend that'll continue. The, the increasing amount of services, businesses that get created on the heels of that, as well as just that continued shift, fuels this, fuels this market. So, you know, will there be more, uh, you know, diversity in the underlying between, you know, and, and by the way, healthcare is 20% of GDP and only going to grow. So are we going to escape the trend that tech, healthcare, and services are the largest sectors? No, they, they, will, be, right. they will be so in, in 10 years, most likely. Okay. In both markets, and if, I think in BSL as well. Okay. If I can um, sort of change hack entirely and then sort of talk to you about how private credit may be influencing macroeconomic outcomes here. Um, you know, when um, SVB and Signature Bank got into trouble in the spring, I think there was a lot of concern about um, credit availability. And certainly that was an active debate between us and the credit research side internally. And our economists were very, very worried about, and we pushed back on them on the idea that sort of there was a credit crunch around the corner because we felt that, um, you know, the direct lending community had the capacity to potentially step in where the regional banks were, were, were sort of being forced to yeah. step out. What, what do you think of that? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the dry powder in the industry and how that's getting deployed. You know, what's your thought? Do you, do you, do you think that um, private credit has been a force for good here in suppressing default rates and prolonging yeah. the credit cycle? I mean, it's a very interesting topic. I, so I look at it this way, you know, is, is it a primary effect? I'm not sure, right? I mean, secondary, tertiary, maybe. Yeah. I, I, you go back to the um, go back to the GFC, right? Did, did the GFC happen because of a dearth of liquidity? Uh, sorry, did the GFC happen because there, there was not enough dry powder? I don't think so. Maybe ultimately, but I really think it happened because of bad assets, right? Well, I, I, I bad asset liability mismatches, which is not something which is true of direct lending. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you compare like no doc loans to someone earning $50,000 a year buying a million dollar house, right, and then creating structural, you know, structured finance and selling that to insurance companies and, and you know, compare that to uh, a direct lending loan where a sponsor has put in more than 50% of the LTV in cash, right, and, uh, you know, has, has borrowed, you know, uh, five to seven turns of EBITDA um, uh, you know, to, to, uh, or even six to eight turns of EBITDA as it's getting stretched out, I mean, there's concern there. It's not a competition, right? So, you know, the, the I, I still would, I still would, uh, uh, uh posit that the, if you start with bad assets, you're going to get a bad outcome, no matter how good yeah. the, the, uh, other side of the balance sheet is, yeah. right? Um, if you start with good assets and there's some froth and, and maybe there's some, some of those, you know, start stretching too much. That could be a problem that that excess dry powder helps to kind of prolong. But you know, generally speaking, private credit is not some new asset that you know, like Dogecoin or something. That that's just like you know, <laughs> oh my God, how is it's it's corporate borrowers that have opted for a sort of a different delivery mechanism. Okay. Um, one of the things that's been in focus before we go to um, Q and A. Um, been a lot of talk or focus again at varying points this year on the um, maturity wall and um, the maturity profile. Um, you know, kind of given the window that you had from our finance and business, yeah. do you have a view of, of how that maturity schedule in the direct lending space 
looks versus the, the, the sort of broadly syndicated loan market or public markets more broadly? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and, and this also speaks to the convergence, you know, theme that we were just discussing. I, I think it's actually kind of similar, right? And both reasonably healthy. I mean, I think in, in, in the in the BSL market and the high yield market, I think, you know, it's, it's relatively pushed out, but the small amount of maturities are sort of, you know, the, of the hairier variety. So small number, but difficult to see how those get done, which kind of points to a higher default rate. That's probably not a, a, a terrible analogy for, for or a terrible um, uh, juxtaposition to how the, how the private market is. There's the, the best stuff has been refinanced. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the more hairy stuff might have to have more equity injection or restructuring or, or not. But the, the weightings are really out the curve and kind of in that sort of three, four, five year horizon. Um, and, and that is, and again, I, I called it a tertiary, right, secondary tertiary effect. That is where the dry powder in the industry, both on the private equity side and the, and the private credit side, can sort of push in a little bit. Yeah. I do think there will be some support uh, from, from the equity uh, owners of the assets, of the underlying assets, as well as potentially some from the private credit firms. Thank you. Um, we covered a lot of ground there. Um, Laura, I wanted to uh, throw it open to you um, and anybody on the line that would like to ask a question to Jake. For today's webinar, we'll be utilising the raise hand feature for Q&A. If you're on a computer, this can be found at the bottom of the Zoom app as a raise hand icon or by clicking the reactions button. If you're on a mobile device using the app, simply tap into the three dots or a more button to find the raise hand feature. And lastly, if you're calling in today, star nine will activate the raise hand and use star six to mute and unmute. I will hold for a second to allow people to enter the queue. Our first question is from Luca Spoljarek. Please unmute yourself and ask your question. Hi guys, can you hear me? Hi, please. Yes, we can, thank you. Yeah, okay, super. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I have just like a very general question and uh, as will become very obvious um, with um, by, by the nature of the question, I'm, I'm not a credit guy. I'm kind of like a long short equity guy trying to understand the impact of this asset class onto the broader economy. Just broadly, kind of what what quote unquote problem is private credit solving? Is it like uh, tapping into niches that were previously underserved? Is it like, uh, you know, is it like some structural things like, you know, just banks not being as efficient or, you know, being too prescriptive post Basel III? Uh, yeah, just kind of from your perspective, what, you know, what is kind of like the market that this is addressing? Thank you very much. Yeah, I think, you know, historically it was, it was, it was loans that were sort of smaller than what the capital markets would, would absorb, would, would, uh, would, um, uh, would solve. Uh, and, and over time, you know, I think sponsors have have um, liked in periods of market volatility the certainty of execution. Uh, there's also been a desire to uh, kind of know the partner, know the partners that they are lending to, uh, which is a little bit of a reaction to some of the lender-on-lender -lender violence that's happened in you know broadly syndicated uh, in the broadly syndicated market when uh, th those deals have seen distress. So. I think the, the the kind of the relationship between borrower and lender and private credit is often uh, pitched as a as a collegial one uh, from from cradle to grave. Uh, so so that's I think those are a few a few tidbits of what uh, the, the the pitch has been and why capital has been uh, so successfully raised. Does that answer your question? 
Uh, yeah, it does. Thank you. Thank our you. Next question um, Laura, is, is anybody else that has? Yes, our next question is from Dave Preston. Please unmute yourself and ask your question. Uh, hey, how are you? Uh, thanks. Great call today. Um, we've obviously seen a lot of money raised in private credit going back 10 years. I come from a BSL and private credit background. And one of the things I've struggled with in BSLs, there's arguably too many metrics, too much transparency on prices and things. In private credit, the thing I struggle with is how do we evaluate these platforms and how do we see when um, cracks are gonna show? Because ultimately they can't all be above average, right? Yeah, and look, so, so we, we certainly, I think Steve and myself, I, I don't think we're, 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 we're trying to be the, um, be, uh, you know, mouthpieces for all those that have raised capital and private credit. You know, I think when I think about what JP Morgan is doing in direct lending, um, you know, we, we have the same very, you know, uh, tight lending standards in, in private credit or in when we do direct lending uh, as we do in, 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 all, in all forms of lending. Uh, and that goes for whether we're providing, you know, capital to a sponsor of corporate owned company or we're providing capital to, uh, to a direct lender. Uh, and, and financing. So, so you know, your I think your question is is, a, is comes from a, an interesting place. You're, you're you're trying to figure out you know who who is who is swimming naked when the tide comes out. Um, and look, I, I think that is definitely a question that um, becomes clear over time and is more obvious in hindsight. Um, there, there's some very very strong players uh, in the market. I mean, very strong players. Um, and and I think you know, Steve and I talk about this a lot. I think there's a degree of tourism uh, that that happens too, and um, you know, there's it, it's hard to have a trillion and a half dollar market where there's not some activity that that uh, you know you, you you look back in hindsight and say why was that done? I, I think it's it's that's that's a that's sort of a fact of life. So that that'll become more more obvious over time. Uh, there are you know BDCs publicly filed, right? So I think that's probably your first your first uh, way to get information out. You know. Of, of, Who's out there? Because many of the large public platforms have BDCs, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. I was going to say, I mean, without getting too granular, either at a sort of manager, um, you know, investor, or, 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 or sort of deal level, is there anything that sort of a red, you know, things which sort of constitute a particular red flag for you? Um, yeah, look, we're not particularly you know keen on on lending to companies at uh, you know four to five times uh, uh, revenue, right? Right. I mean, like if you think about sort of what went, what went wrong in, in the, uh, in the 80s in, in high yield bonds was when you were making loans on the basis of not cash flows, right? So, so you know, I think technology lending is, is, is definitely a growth area. There's fantastic companies and Jake Morgan's made a massive investment in, um, you know, in, in, that, in that space and disruptive tech. Uh, we've got some great people on it, but, you know, it, Buffett's got a great line, right? You get into more trouble with good ideas than bad ones. So, uh, you know, you can take anything too far. And I think, I think, you know, it, that's an area that I think uh, deserves some scrutiny. I mean, you, you certainly want to make sure that if you're lending money, that the obligor can repay you. The cash flow is king, as it always is. Yeah, and 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 when, when we talk about like ARR lending, you know, you, you're the the good loans do still adhere to that. Right. In other words, you're, yes, it's a multiple of revenue, but you believe uh, that the company is, is growing and that it, its expenses are flatlining. 
or, or certainly not growing anywhere close to as fast as the revenues. So the cash flow model actually is strong over the life of the loan, right? When you when you sort of blow that up in, in you, or ignore it in your analysis, that's that's what's going to lead to trouble. Does that answer your question, Dave? Yes, yes. I guess um, we'll, we'll wait and okay. see. All right, thank you, um, Laura. I was wondering if you could comment on interest coverage when you think about, um, in, if we look at the broadly syndicated market, something like two thirds of the companies didn't hedge their interest rate risk, uh, similar in the recommended space. And I think if you look at the market today. Couldn't hear the majority of the question, but I think you're asking about interest coverage ratios and whether it's different in public and private and- Hedging strategies. Hedging strategies. Yeah, I, I think it's no secret that a lot of folks probably got diluted by the low interest rate environment for too long of a time and didn't hedge, right? And I, I think that's, that is certainly true in the public markets and it's, uh, it's certainly true in the private markets too. So um, we've seen as base rates have gone from zero to five, uh, we have seen interest coverage ratios uh, uh, decrease, right? And um, you know, they, I think in, mu in much of the industry, they were sort of north of three on a sort of standard uh, EBDA to interest basis and, uh, or EBDA minus CapEx to interest. And uh, today they, they sort of sit in the, you know, in the, in the kind of mid ones. Uh, so, so certainly a trend that we're focused on. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure there's a huge difference between the between the markets on that stat, um, but uh, it's certainly it's certainly a reality today that interest coverage is, is more constrained. Thank you, Laura. Eugene Thomas, please unmute yourself and ask your question. The audience is playing with me. Yeah, it's good. They're keeping you on your toes. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, thanks for the call. You, you wanted to follow up on the um, the response earlier around sponsor lender uh, relationships and and the categorization that you know these being more collegial in nature. Is there a suggestion that you don't see um, this lender on lender violence? I guess between even the smaller uh, the smaller number of lenders in, in, in private credit. I mean, I, I think so. What, what I was mostly referring to is some of the distressed activity uh, that, that has happened when uh, public structures have been downgraded, right? And CLOs who are, who, you know, CLOs buy about, you know, sort of historically two thirds of the leveraged loan market um, and, our, and our ratings folks. And when the ratings of, of uh, tranches have been downgraded, um, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, forced selling uh, historically from CLOs, and, and the buyers tend not to be a few points down. The buyers tend to be sort of 10 or 20 points down, uh, and they tend to be distressed buyers. Um, and when you have a large group and you've got a distressed buying, uh, you know, buying from CLOs, um, the dynamics there can become, you know, a bit, a bit, uh, a bit hostile, right? And, and so the, the, the term lender on lender violence has sort of gained some prominence. Um, it's not to say that it couldn't happen in a, in a private credit structure. Um, and, you know, maybe as the markets converge, that does happen over time. But, you know, if you have a lender group that has four large lenders in it, right, and those lenders all have sort of long-term lots of capital, um, and they're not ratings focused, so they're not forced sellers, there's less opportunity for that kind of dynamic to happen. Does that answer your question? It does. Very helpful. Thank you. Okay, Laura, I'm, I'm, I hesitate to ask if we have anyone on the line or not. Currently, no questions. 
Should we try? <laughs> okay. Um, thank you again to everybody who joined us. Thank you again to everybody who asked a question. And, and most importantly, thank you, Jake, for um, being with us, being so candid and covering so much ground in, 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 a, in a very efficient way. So thank, thank you, you very much. And thank you, everybody, again, for dining in.